Okay, that's fine. Brilliant. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Punk Rock Academy podcast with me, Dave. And it's John. We're back. Dave, how are you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hey, I'm, I'm great. Um, fresh New Year, fresh new start, ready to go. Lots of great interviews lined up. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Let's make this let's make this year a better one, Dave. Yeah, let's make let's make this year a better one. Um, I'm very good. We have just spoken to uh, Tally Osborne, otherwise known in the punk rock community as Nubs, a sort of punk rock legend in her own right for various reasons. She's an, an inspirational person to speak with, and her sort of um, I don't know, you just kind of it just exudes this sort of uh, optimism and joy when you're speaking to her that I hope comes across in the interview. I'm sure it will. Uh, we spoke to Tally today predominantly because of her involvement and role in the Punk Rock Museum, the soon to be opened Punk Rock Museum in March. Uh, and we talk about Tally's journey into punk rock and how she had a re- rather sort of strange uh, experience, I guess, of getting to the point uh, of becoming something of a sort of punk rock legend. Uh, but that will be all revealed in the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's a good very, one. It is a very good one, actually. Um, she has a great, a great story to tell. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for you because it'll be a great listen. But John, one thing she does mention is about um, part of the museum and how they do guided tours. And one of the things was they have obviously punk icons who are giving tours around the museum. So I want to ask you today if you could have anyone, past or present, who can guide you across for your own punk rock museum. Who would it be? My own. Oh, I love it. My own personal punk rock tour guide. Um, oh wow, there's so many people. I've been very lucky to meet a few of the sort of legends that I that I love I would you know what? I've met this guy once before uh I guess it sort of just about falls within within the realms of punk but I had the pleasure of meeting Robert Smith of The Cure at Helsinki Airport I'm not sure he would describe it as a pleasure but uh he he do you know what? I would love a couple of hours of just very kind of awkward pretty quiet chilled but i think pretty honest chat with robert smith about his his sort of punk rock experiences journeys views stories i'm sure there are many um i think that'd be quite a nice experience how about you who would you like to have a punk rock ball robert smith does sound like a strange choice but i can imagine it being (laughs) yeah very very interesting to say the least um for me i'm gonna cheat i'm actually gonna go back to someone we actually interviewed um previously and that's going to be Chaz from Lightyear, just because, just for shits and giggles, I suppose. It'd be very entertaining. Um, he'd probably be naked. I'll probably see more more of him than the art on display. Um, but that's the main motivation for it. <laughs> I like it. We're taking very different approaches there. I've taken the more sort of uh, serene, quiet experience. Uh, and you've gone for the sort of rock and roll, the rock and roll. I think, from what I gather, and I'm sure you can find out more online, they uh, they've got all bases covered at the punk rock museum so if you have the opportunity to go uh, um and get your own tour with uh there are going to be many different personalities but the uh i think the good news is there's going to be plenty to see out there if you get the chance uh let's hear a little bit more about it from tally here's nubs hi oh hello tally. how are you doing excited this is great <clears throat> except my voice is kind of raspy but you know 
no it adds a it adds a certain uh, a certain sort of mystery i like it it's a good say. they're like yeah but raspy is sexy i'm like yeah i guess <laughs> what, the, the cigarette sort of singing kind of except they don't smoke i just <laughs> no excellent so where are you at the moment las vegas vegas excellent well, you actually living out there now are you uh yeah i moved here in october uh, are you finding things you know what for the most part i love it there's only a couple things that I don't love, like the cigarette smoke everywhere. Um, and, and and like at the casinos, it's they filter the air, so it's not too bad. But when you go to like little punk shows at the little bars, it's just so crazy because I'm from Toronto and we haven't had cigarette smoke in bars or inside in like 20 years, you know? So it's like, ugh. but besides that, I love it. I I don't know how we ever used to do it. Like, I remember getting home from gigs and, like, chucking my clothes on the floor. And the next morning, before I even open my eyes, and when you're still in that kind of semi-conscious state, I'd be like, oh, I was at a gig last night, wasn't I? Because it just stunk. I can smell it on my hair and my pillow. And, like, back in the day when when they, you know, when there was smoking, I would wash my hair every time I'd get home. But I'm like... And with my color, like I, I only wash my hair like once a week. So yeah, it's like I, I get I get home and I take off my clothes and my bra smells like cigarettes. Like I'm just like, it got through layers of leather jacket. And, you know, it's, but that being said, that's the only thing that I don't love. Like I, I do love it here so far. So more than I thought. So what brought you out there? The Punk Rock Museum. I was asked to to move out here to work for the museum and you know, it took me a moment because I'm like, do I want to live in Las Vegas? And every time I've been to Vegas was for punk rock bowling. And after four days, I'm like, oh, God, get me out of here. But it's different because I live downtown Vegas. I'm not in the casinos every day. I'm not partying. I'm living an almost normal life. You know, like I live downtown and there, there's regular shops and regular, you know, nail salons. And so I'm not living the like party punk rock bowling life all the time it's a semi-normal life semi-normal it's not normal but it's it's not as hectic i mean i was gonna say it's it's gonna get hectic because we are or you are what two months away from opening well it is it is hectic but it's not (laughs) punk rock bowling hectic but yeah it's it's getting busy because we're starting to put out press releases and kind of you know like make things happen so it's 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 two months away but it feels like we have so much to do still and uh it's exciting but it's a, like a lot you know so so can you tell me about like a bit more about your involvement like, how did you get involved with the whole project of course yeah so um the museum is put together by a collective of just you know awesome punk rockers from all over the world that contribute, you know, different aspects of awesome things to the collective. And the collective was talking about who they could bring on. And I came in into the conversation. So Fat Mike uh, texted me and he was like, hey, so I'm in a meeting with the Punk Rock Museum. We want to offer you a job. And my instinct was, oh, you know, social media from home, you know, something like that, like run their Instagram from home in Toronto, you know? And so I said, oh, with a question mark, like, tell me more. <laughs> and uh, he said, would you move to Vegas? And then I, and then it got real. Then it got real. 
you know? And, and so I had to think real quick on, can I, can I pick up my whole life and everything I've ever known and move to a place I've never dreamed of living where I know nobody. And it took me, I told him I need an hour and he goes, I already know you're in. And he wasn't wrong. It took me five minutes. I just needed to calm down. Like I needed to like five minutes. And then I was like, of course I'll do this. Like there, I would be ridiculously idiotic if I would say no, you know? And, and the way that I saw it, it wasn't like, Oh, picking up my whole life and moving someplace. I don't know. And scary. It was an adventure. I was like, I love adventures, you know, and worst case scenario, I move back home. I was going to say, the thing with punk is, and this, this sounds cheesy, but having done this podcast for a little while now and having grown up um, now for shit, like t- over 25 years of my life, identifying as, you know, someone that loves punk rock music. Um, when I moved, when I moved to university, for example, I was going out with some, you know, new friends from from university and I was going to places that that wasn't really me. Uh, and there was a, a little club down the road um, that I knew did punk shows. And I knew there was a gig and there was a band that I knew of. And I went down by myself. Um, I didn't know anyone there and just felt immediately at home. So it sounds cheesy, but having spoken to a lot of people now um, on this podcast, you know, who've traveled the world, who have, um, you know, sometimes, yeah, changed changed locations or moved moved houses or whatever it might be there is kind of this nice that if we talk about the nice side of what what our community community is yeah it is right and it and it's funny because when i started telling fat mike my concerns he was just like what we're all you know we're all gonna be around like it's gonna be like you know i don't know anybody and all those things and the funny thing is that it wasn't scary. It was just like a big decision for one human being to make. But the funny thing is, is I came here to look at apartments in advance back in September. And literally I get off, <clears throat> I get off the airplane and I get downtown and I meet my new friend, Ian, who works for the museum. And we go to look at apartments because that's what I'm here for. And I'm probably in town for maybe two hours because we stopped for lunch. And we're, we're outside this one apartment and I'm in a city that I've barely, barely spent time in. And we're we're kind of trying to find this leasing office for this building. And we're just kind of like on the street, like, where is this thing? And then all of a sudden from behind me, I hear, nabs, nabs. And I'm like, so I turn and, and she's like, nabs, you're a celebrity. Oh my God, I can't believe you're here. And it's this woman like my age and she's wearing I, can I swear? As much as you want. Okay. I thought so. I just had to check. I always double check in advance. She was wearing this apron that said, this bitch can bake. And I was like, fuck yes. And she's like, oh my God. Oh my God. I'm a huge fan. You're amazing. I have a punk rock bakery named Fatty's right here. And yeah, her bakery is named after Fat Mike. And she's like, I can't believe it. it. Literally right there. There's a punk rock, her punk rock bakery, you know? And, <laughs> and it was just so cool. And Ian was like, as if that just happened. I'm like, I know that was amazing. Like I just got here, you know? And she's like, come in tomorrow. We're, we're just closing now. Come in tomorrow. We went in tomorrow and we, we ate all these, like all this delicious stuff and, you know, already made friends in this town amazing. that I haven't even found an apartment to live in. It, that's just shows the community right there. 
you know what? That's, re that's really mad. So you got like his bakery, which is they got fatties after Fat Mike. You've got a song with no effects. It seems like a big time family. Yeah. So what? what was he, so outside of the stench of Vegas, like what big change have you actually noticed between like no living in Toronto and Vegas? Has there been any cultural shocks or anything along those lines? The weather is phenomenal. Toronto is so cold right now. Like, so the wind hits your skin and you feel like it's burning off. And here, and it's so dark and overcast kills me. Like, it's my soul, like, needs the sun. And here, I wake up to sunshine almost every day. And there's palm trees outside my window that I can see right now. Like, that's really cool, you know? Um, that's that's an awesome thing. One thing that's a bit weird is there's no grocery stores like near me whatsoever. So I was like, cause I love food and I love cooking. And I was like, well, I'll find an apartment near a grocery store. No, that's not a thing. So, cause I wanted also to like live near the museum and live in a nice neighborhood. Like I'm a single woman living alone. I want to be in a safe, you know, I want to put myself in a, in a good situation. So the grocery store situation, there are, there are grocery stores. They're just like, <laughs> not near where you live uh so that's that's an interesting thing um the people here are really nice and uh, everyone says canadians are really nice which we are um but i don't know what it is i don't know if it's the vitamin d if it's the fact that a lot of the people who live here have chosen to live here do you know what i mean like yeah. when you meet people you're like how long have you been here you don't say, are you from here? Like sometimes there's locals, of course, but especially the people in my building, it's like, how long have you lived here? Because. But I guess if they're local, they're not, they're not like, they're, they're only one generation, right? Like no one's native that, that yeah, much. There are Vegas. some born and raised. Like I have, I've made okay. a couple of friends that are born and raised Las Vegas, which is so fascinating to me. But for the most part, people have moved here for a specific reason and they've chosen. And, you know, there's something about making your life what you want it to be and having, you know, being happy about it. Like there's something, I haven't put my quote unquote finger on it yet. Um, Why everyone's so stoked and happy, but those are my two things. It's the sunshine and the fact that I don't know, I, I a lot of the people I've met are living the life they want to live, which is really cool. Like there's still struggle and there's still addictions and there's lots of mental health. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It's big time here. Um, but I don't know, even the homeless people and the people on the side of the street are like, hi, have a great day. Like, I don't know. It's not all the time. Sometimes they're in comatose to the point where they can't talk, but it's just different. I don't know. And I've met some really cool people. Like I've lived besides, I owned a house once besides that I've lived in apartment buildings, my whole adult life. And I'm, you can tell already I'm an extrovert. I'm a very social butterfly. I've never had an actual friend in my building. Like usually in the elevators, people are like, I, you know, here, like I have friends, like, and I'm on a WhatsApp group with like tons of people in my building. And like, First day, I met friend. I I met friends with and I had their phone numbers and we hung out. Like so, I don't know. It's it's really cool. Like I, it's been really welcoming, especially for somebody you know moving from a different country and not knowing anyone. It's been pretty great. That's amazing. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's not everyone else. Maybe you just it make people better. Be me. 
Maybe it's you. Take the credit. Take the full credit. So when... I've heard my positivity is infectious, so it just might be rubbing off on people. Who knows, but... I mean, I'm sort of feeling it all the way in London, so... um, And that's not just me being nice. I can't... Yay, already it's coming that. through i mean you're well you're welcome to come around we've got we've got way less sunshine uh than you're probably used to at the moment i do love london i went i went to london once for the weekend richard branson flew me there for an award <laughs> award ceremony you know no big deal just richard branson flew me to london england so i was only there for a weekend or like four days and i want to come back so bad so if oh, i do come when back. i do when i do i'm hitting you guys up and we're gonna hang out I'm um, all over that. Hell yeah. That sounds like a whole other story. Although we have something in common. I I was on, like, completely by chance, um, Virgin's, like, inaugural flight from London to Chicago. Okay. Uh, and no one knew, but Richard Branson just just started walking through the, the plane. No way! And, um, and just started meeting everyone. We were a bunch of punks off to Riot Fest, and he was just, like, you know, chatting to everyone who were on their honeymoon or everything. And we were just, like, some snotty little, you know london punk rock kids which i think he i don't know did i don't remember him being too too bothered either way actually he loves punk um, rockers he loves he punk does rock. love punk rock except the, the reason why i was pissed off with them was because we were trying to get off the plane and he was he decided to have a photo op on the wing of the plane with him dressed up as a uh, american footballer with a bunch of cheerleaders and we weren't allowed off the plane until he'd done the photo op so we just okay, had to sit that's... there for like another you could have waited till you got off the plane for that photo op arrive somewhere all you want to do is get off that plane immediately so yes yeah exactly so i wasn't very happy with him but i've forgiven him um we want to get back and we will find time later to talk about your uh your work and your sort of life outside of the punk rock museum and how how i guess richard branson came to uh even hear about you to fly you out to London but just quickly on the museum when you got offered this job what, what is your job what are you what are you doing like what what so, what what's sort of your day-to-day at the moment my job is all over the place my my official title now because it's 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 I've had many titles it's just punk rock ambassador which is like okay cool <laughs> uh you know you are officially I went, like, you're paid yes my pay that that is what I am paid to do is be ambassador of punk rock. Um, but because the museum's not open right now, my job since the minute I got here, it's a really cool job. And I pinch myself every day is I am solely in charge of uh, the tour guide program. So I have been contacting punk rock legends that you wouldn't even know, like wouldn't even imagine that I'm contacting to be tour guide so it started off like fat mike just texting me sending me the contact of like luigi from suicidal tendencies and angelo from fishbone and just like can you call these guys can you call these guys i'm like "Ah!" you know (laughs) the other day i talked to cinderblock from tilt and um jennifer finch from l7 like the people i'm talking to just no big deal calling me back hey and texting me like crazy Casey Royer from Social D Adolescence DI, he texted me like eleven photos today because I need I've been I've been bugging them for uh, you know headshots and stuff for our our press releases. But like I'll just be out at a show and I I wear an Apple Watch on my ankle and I just like feel a little buzz and I look down I'm like oh my god what is my life? So it's really cool because I really truly believe in this tour guide program like. 
basically you can have get a tour guide from for sure multiple of your punk rock heroes you know and they're not really an actual like tour guide like on your left you will see Joan Jett's guitar from 19 no it's them telling punk rock stories stories of them being on tour stories of them you know uh touring with Joan Jett or touring with the Ramones. I don't know. I'm just making shit up right now, but it's, it's just stories that only they can tell. And some of these stories have probably not been told, you know, besides like their peers. So I think that's really cool. And, you know, instead of just coming to the museum and walking through yourself, you can walk through with one of these legends. And my other favorite part of the museum is we have a jam room which with donated right. instruments from these punk rock legends. So after this tour with, you know, Casey Royer or Angelo or uh, Jennifer Finch, you can go and jam maybe with them or maybe with Fat Mike's bass or whoever else instruments. And I've been talking to the tour guides like, hey, when you're here, maybe you want to jam with the people that you've given so that's not it's not set up yet that portion of it yeah. but it's definitely an like possibility that's amazing do you um, know what i love about because they're just people right they're just people well, this so, is the thing like what you've done with both those both those things i think the guides and the instruments is it sort of it's kind of first of all it's flipped the idea of a museum on its head because it's kind of living but second of all like it's completely in the ethos of punk rock of breaking down that barrier like we talked about with community it's not yes. about like you said they're people it's about completely stripping away the divide between the audience and the the, the sort of rock star which is essentially how punk rock or what punk well, rock started and there as isn't really a divide because it's for the punks from the punks with the punks you know like it's all we're all just part of the same community the people coming to the museum the people planning and you know us opening the museum and then the the punk legends coming we're all part of the same thing and it's it's so magical and i'm i'm so honored and stoked to be part of this even the days that are crazy and stressful i'm not bummed you know what i mean because i'm like part of something so cool and part of history like we we'll have artifacts and representation of punk bands from all over the world in like from 50 years, you know, mm -hmm. 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. So cool. It, it's it's the most comprehensive uh, museum dedicated to punk rock. It's going to be it's going to be incredible. Totally. I'd like to ask, it, it does sound absolutely fantastic, but I want to ask you, obviously, museum, a lot of artifacts. What artifact would you love to see in the museum which you haven't quite got yet or... Is, is there anything that you just want to want to say there up on display? Mm. It's hard because like we have so many artifacts that I don't even know exactly 100% what we have yet because, you know, we all have different jobs. I've seen a lot of the artifacts, but I haven't seen all of the artifacts. So it's hard to say, but uh, like I want to say Ramones, but for sure we have stuff from the Ramones. So it's like, I don't know. I can't say because because I don't know every artifact. If I knew every artifact, and I will, I just don't yet, then I could be like, oh, I wish we had blank, but we might have that. 
So as, as well as the, the tours and stuff, what what can, apart from the stuff that you don't know if you haven't got, what do you know that you've got that people can can expect? What is it when they walk in those doors after they meet the, the legends and Am after I they have a jam? What is it they're looking things? at? Am I allowed yeah, to talk? Oh, yeah, of course you Yeah, yeah, cool. I've got sign off. I've got sign off. It's fine. You got, give us a little taste, a little, a little taste without giving too much away. I'm scared. Okay, don't do it. <laughs> Nobody's listening. listening. Everyone's listening. I just, <laughs> I'm trying to think if like, because we've we've done we've definitely done I've done a done a ton of uh, press with artifacts. So I've talked about artifacts. I'm just trying to think of what artifacts that we've talked about that. You know, I could talk to you about. We have Fat Mike's base that's been smashed. That's cool. Um, that's cool. I know I can talk about that. I, <laughs> I'm just like I'm scared because I'm like you know I'm representing the museum and I don't want to say I don't want to give no 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 we don't, I want to give all the secrets away. So with the museum, um, is it going to be a permanent fixture then in the uh, Vegas landscape? Is it just? It's going to be a permanent fixture, but it's going to. Uh, revolve and or it's going to be a revolving um museum and it's going to evolve so the what i mean by revolve is is that or revolving is that the artifacts will change you know we'll take some out we'll put new ones in you could come this year and if you come again in two years it, we may have completely different things not completely obviously there'll be certain things that'll always be there but we have we're gonna have so many artifacts that um we will be adding stuff all the time I want to. I want to kind of. I, I was thinking about this. Um, you know, some people. We had a, we had a, an exhibition in London, the Museum of London, a few months ago, or a few years ago, maybe. Um, uh, about uh, I think it was specifically about punk, but it certainly had a lot of stuff about the Clash, and it had the the Paul Simon and bass that he smashed. Fun enough, um, and a lot of people obviously were were thrilled to see it. It's an iconic picture it's an iconic base but it almost told a story in itself that that was an era that was you know gone and a museum sort of almost in its by definition suggests that it's something historic it's something that you you know you kind of look back on retrospectively this year we've obviously got uh no effects calling it a day after after 40 years um sorry i, I don't want to i don't even want to believe it i know it's true but it's like too much for my my soul I just, I just wonder what, like, what you would say should someone ever put the claim to you that this perhaps is now the sign that we're we're at the end of an era that this this era of punk rock is over. I'm I'm not saying that, of course, but no. what would you sort of just is this a sign that things are kind of tailing off? Not at all, because this museum we say it's past, present, and future, so. We're gonna have future bands. Maybe my band will have artifacts in the museum, you know? So I think this is like I said, it's it's ever evolving. And it's not just history. Of course, there's history and some of the coolest artifacts are from bands that neither of us have ever seen, nor will we ever see, right? Um, because they're before our time. But we also will have artifacts from from current bands that are huge right now and then bands we don't even know about yet so I don't think it's it's a sign of that and that 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 is like very sad to think about I don't 
I think punk rock is going to be around forever because of people like us. Definitely one way or another it will be. Mm -hmm. I hope so. What do you think? I mean, what do you think about the idea of like, obviously a big, a big part of this and a big part of what you've talked about already is the kind of nineties punk explosion and, and the fact that so many of the people that it might be on, I've, I've seen the kind of list of people doing um, the tour, the tour stuff. And obviously with, with Fat Mike himself involved, you know, and heavily, um, uh, you know, heavily playing a part in the kind of nineties explosion that we saw after the kind of legacy stuff of the 70s and, and then the hardcore stuff of the 80s what what do you think because i think we're probably i don't know roughly maybe a similar age or certainly into the same kind of stuff like what do you think the legacy of that kind of 90s um thing is now because i guess you know we're all at the age where those bands are still still playing and we're going to see them and it's and it's great fun but it is now the kind of a different generation isn't it when you look at some of the young kids now they're into you know different kinds of punk rock and you know new mm. bands are coming through which is excellent what do you think the legacy of that 90s explosion is or will be like which bands well no but how do you think it's going to be looked back on what do you think like I, you know the 70s punk i guess when you can say what you know what did that bring it's about you know it's about breaking mm. down those barriers it's about the art it's about things you know, 80s was maybe more about politics um yes. what do you think the legacy of the 90s is going to be i think the legacy of the 90s is is diy it's doing it yourself it's you know all the the record labels that really gave a lot of these bands an opportunity to tour and and put out their uh their record labels or sorry their their albums and these record labels were started by punks you know they're not huge corporate record labels they're just guys that are in their basement or wherever wanting to put out these albums that they're passionate about so i think it's the the diy um mentality and and that's a huge part of punk rock like you know fuck the system do it yourself so so yeah. tally um obviously heavily involved in the punk rock scene can you tell me a bit more about your journey into punk rock and how i know how it captured you and what 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 about it and no, it really um grabbed your imagination sure yeah it's it's there's a lot of levels of it um of course there is the you know being different never fitting in always wanting to and then realizing fuck this shit i don't want to fit in i want to stand out you know and going through that journey and uh and simultaneously you know no effects writing song about me while i was going through that like when that song was written is was the early years of me figuring out who I am and embracing who I am and, and having confidence in my body and my appearance and, you know, the fact that I have no arms and all that shit. And when NoFX wrote that song about me, it's like I I had this instant fan base and they were stoked when they'd meet me. And and the song describes, you know, me worse than it were like you know says I have no arms and legs and all this and I do have legs believe it or not I do have legs I walked here over to this spot right here um but you know it was it's it's the song to me is like well she may not have arms and legs but she comes to punk rock shows and that's all that matters you know she rocks out and she she loves every minute of it and from that people were embracing me with with literal open arms like nubs can I hug you and you know it it gave me this confidence to really embrace who I am you know to like let my 
like, I guess, freak flag fly, you know, and show the world I love who I am and and hopefully inspire people to, to love who they are because a lot of people don't, most people don't fully love who they are. And, um, and then at the same time, it was just hearing this music and it, like No Effects was one of the first bands that I've loved and it doing something to my soul that no music has ever done before. You know, it's just like this, happiness and anarchy and just like fuck the system do what you want and be yourself and not giving a fuck what other people think um and it's kind of like a lot of levels of that like me figuring out who I am and also you know punk rock I always think of it as like misfit island you know from uh that Rudolph the Red Girls Reindeer cartoon do you remember that how all the all the misfit did you ever see that it's like Uh a like a claymation it's a claymation christmas show christmas movie and like there's all these characters that are like you know they're misfits they don't fit in and they all end up on misfit island and that's what i see it as is a lot of the people that gravitate to punk rock don't really fit in what society says is normal or society says is okay and instead of being feeling shitty about that or trying to change yourself we just embrace who we are and you know look at all three of us not we don't look the same we are very different people just the three of us and that's what's fucking cool about punk rock you know like yes we all we all probably have similar like inside our our souls may be similar but just the way we look and it, it we're not like everybody else. And even our soul are definitely our souls aren't like everybody else. I just mean, because we're, we're all punks, you know, we have that similar mentality, but yeah. I think it shapes you, doesn't it? I don't know. Like, again, it's kind of hard to explain and it sounds, it's nothing to do with maybe with punk. I'm sure if you're into train spotting, you, you know, that community that you have does something to you if you collect stamps or if you're into jazz or whatever it might be. But Mm. I mean, for me, and I'm sure for all of us, like punk has shaped like my politics, like my lifestyle, my friendship circles, my view on the world. Like, I mean, really significantly. Um, it's such yeah. a big part of, of of who I think we all are. Um, and I think there's something like something that we just kind of get. I don't know. Maybe that. Yeah. Maybe I'm being unfair to other other kind of communities, but it feels it feels no, it's pretty different. Um, it's di- it's a different kind of community because our we gravitated to this community because we didn't fit in, you know, like because we wanted to embrace who we were. And I think like train spotting community (laughs) is like, it's just, it's just a hobby, you know, this, like, I remember my mom and other people saying, Oh, it's a phase. It's a phase. And I knew it wasn't, I knew it wasn't, I knew in my deep core, it wasn't. And still to this day, look at me. I'm, I am. I have this family. I am like a grown woman, and I'm still have most of my head shaved, and you know, I got. I I I will to this day. I till till the day I die have this kind of style and this kind of mentality, and I don't know that phase situation. And there are people you meet that go, "Oh, I used to listen to I used to listen to punk in high school. That was a phase for them." Mm, yeah. you know, it's not for us like this is our lot and my mom realized i'm i got sponsored a visa and moved countries for an incredible job in punk rock it's not a phase 
you know, I think she sees it finally. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wanted to touch on uh, what you said previously about the the No Effect song, sorry, uh, and how, you know, it was the Fat Mike wrote a song about you. Obviously, it must have been a big shock, first of all, um, finding that out. So I want to ask you about, you know, how that came about, but also how... Now, that song led to you know, a lot of love from the punk scene around you and obviously it got into inspire you and feel comfortable in your own skin and obviously grow from that where you are now you know, known as one of the top 10 most inspirational people in the world according to Richard Branson um so obviously how first of all, how did that come about your relationship with Richard Branson and what was your you know, reaction like when you, know, you first heard that song uh by no effects well um for the record, I had no idea the song was written or was going to be written. I got the album just like you guys did and all my friends did. Went to the store called HMV, like a record store, and I bought the record. And my friend had got it earlier that day because I had to work that day. And he called me flipping out. Tally, Tally, oh my God, I think there's a song about you on this album. I was like, what do you mean? I don't understand because that's ridiculous. And he played it for me over the phone, you know, it's kind of hard to wear high heels and the lyrics and I'm listening to lyrics and I'm like, oh shit, you know? And then I waited and I got the album myself after work that day and I listened to it and I was like, holy fuck, you know? But but being the person I was, I wasn't convinced because why would they write a song about me? So I went and did what you did back in 2001 and I went to the fat records website and clicked contact us and <laughs> an email and I said hey I you know this is who I am and I heard this song and I have a feeling it's about me but I'm not sure if somebody can could could confirm that would be great uh for the record I love the song uh you know because it says you know like uh hope she don't get mad. Hope she thinks the song is good, not bad. So I love the song. I'm not mad. Um, and uh, that next day, Fat Mike himself wrote me back. And when I saw that email, I couldn't even, I couldn't even believe what my eyes were sh were show seeing. And I was like freaking out. And I read the email, and it said, uh, after 12 albums it's really hard to think of things to write about when, but when I met you, I knew you were the perfect character for a song. Um, we will save a spot for you side stage next time we're in town, that kind of thing. And I was, holy shit. I can't exp express it with words, but I was beyond happy. I felt like I was about, I was high for like a year of just, just happy, like so happy. And everywhere I would go, every show in every city, just be going like a normal person and I'd hear nubs or excuse me I don't want to offend you but are you nubs and then I'd go yes and then they're like oh my god and that happens to this day like I told you like that shit happens every day and and they're like can I give you a hug holy shit or I can't I can't believe you're real I didn't know you were real and it's just like positivity left right and center like it's not all positive there are those trolls online but it's it's really cool and 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 that song brought me this instant fame all over the world like I used to have a radio show and I had listeners from Israel and and England and Africa and like it was just so cool even now on my Instagram you know sending love from Italy I'm like ah oh, 
so cool, you know? And of course, like, I, in fact, Mike, the other day, we were, we were talking to somebody who didn't know, and he's like, I made, wrote the song about her, and I made her famous, and then I said, and then I might, and then I made myself even more famous. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like the, the person I am is like, I've been in, I've been networking forever and I have a speaking career and I'm a singer. So I don't want to give him all the credit, but <laughs> he, it, it, it blasted, blasted me into this instant f- fan base. And it was, and fan base full of love because they love no effects and they love fat Mike so much. And I'm one step away to them in their eyes, you know? So it's a really cool. And in real life now, him and I, like he, he lives here now and we hang out all the time. I'm going to his house tonight. And it's, it's so cool. My life is, is just, I can't even believe it. I have to pinch myself sometimes. Cause I'm like, what is this life? It's it, and I thank him all the time, you know. For for I wonder if I wonder if anyone has ever had a song impact or change their life quite so much. That's I what I mean. That's like amazing. other people have songs written by them, and and No Effects has written a lot of songs about people. But it is that's what I mean. Like there's something about him and me, and like I don't know if you saw our podcast. But we're a really good combo. We're a really good pair. So there's something about him and me and my personality and his that I think did this, you know? And it, it's like, I literally moved countries and I'm I'm a punk rock ambassador for a living. Like, what? It's it's really cool. That is so cool. Give, give us an idea of, before we get back to the question that Dave asked about, about Richard Branson and your speaking career and everything. So when that song comes out and you talked about the fact that you you kind of were into obviously you were into no effects because you went and got the album and and everything and you'd seen them presumably that's how how they got to meet you but what was what was um like when dave asked about how you got into punk rock like literally what what was the first sort of band that you remember listening to or hearing about and what was your life but this was in montreal was it is that right no i was born in montreal but i was put up for adoption immediately and then i went to live in uh, a little suburb of toronto um, oh, okay, cool. I, I I had a lot of older brothers and sisters growing up. So at a really young age, I, I knew of like Guns N' Roses and those types of bands. And then my one of my older brothers, he worked for a big radio station and he he kind of played some punk rock. So I did I did know about, you know, the offspring and Green Day. Oh, I talked to Noodles from Offspring the other day. Like, what? You know? Um, but new it ran as not rancid. Um, the Ramones, Joan Jett, Green Day, Offspring. Like, those were like my early, early years. Like before I even knew what was happening. Like I just knew I gravitated to this music. Um like I said, even as a kid, because of my older siblings, I always loved Guns N' Roses. And other bands like that of course uh the class joe joe strummer like those bands and then it was like i think i was 13 when i first heard no effect song and i think it was kill all the white men i was grade nine and or i was grade eight and i was 12 it was something along those lines and that song i was just like holy shit it's the lyrics, it's the, it's the sound, it's the drums. And then a f- older friend of mine made me a mixtape 
an actual mixtape and it had all of me by no effects on there. It had um, a rancid song. I remember all of me because I loved olives as a kid and I still do. And I know it's not about olives, but I remember <laughs> thinking that this is my song. It's so funny. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was kind of a cross between older siblings and, uh, and then my, we had a family friend who made me a mixtape with all this really cool um, punk bands on them. And, and then from there it was fat records uh, compilations. Those changed my life, probably your lives too. Like Tilt and like, all you know, all the bands that were on, all those fat comps, those shaped me, you know, they were the best. They were the best. And there will never be anything like those camp comps ever again, you know, fat music for fat people. And yeah. So oh, they were total game changers, weren't they? Mm. Total game changers. I mean, they must've, I mean, genius idea, just cheap, cheap loads of tracks loads of songs everyone i knew had um it sounds like i mean yeah you have the kind of classic the classic journey i think we've all had it weirdly yeah. same you know what though the same, we had a really similar journey i remember the first no effect song i heard was kill the white men as well it was some no kid way. at my school another kid yeah it was uh well knowingly i mean i might have heard him before but we we're in me too, me too. in art class they had um they let us have a cd player and there was a couple of kids that kind of owned the ownership of it and would choose what what would be put on. And it just so happened these two kids were friends of mine and they were both into punk. And I, I didn't even know that it was punk or anything. I was just too mild and meek. And I remember this song and I was like, I'd never heard anything like it before. And then when it changes the speed, when it kind of goes from the kind of reggae bit to the fast bit, I was just like, yeah, 13 years old. I remember. And I remember <laughs> sitting there being like, what the fuck? Um yeah so kind of yeah similar similar sort of journey really it's, similar it's so weird to me that like yes i did listen to those other classic punk bands but i didn't really know what what i just knew i liked them it wasn't like oh this is my world this is my community you know but that song that song that kill all the white man i remember i remembered i was sitting in the cafeteria with some friends and someone played it and I was just like, holy shit, what is this? And if you were to tell that girl what the rest of my life would look like, do you know what I mean? Like, I could have just heard that song and then my life could have gone a different direction or I could have had a other favorite punk band, but No Effects to this day is my favorite punk band, you know? And that's why like, one night I was hanging out with Fat Mike and he pulled the guitar from the wall and he's like, let's write some songs. And I'm like, ah, you know, as much as he's my friend and we've been friends for 20 years, I was freaking the fuck out. I was terrified. I was like wanting to barf and he's like, sing like you mean it. I'm like, you don't understand how intimidating this moment is for me. You know, like he's my friend. Yes. But I've, I said to him, I've been listening to your music since I was 12 years old. You have to understand why you need to give me a moment here. You know, like, don't get me wrong. It's It was one of the most incredible things, writing songs with him. Like, I, I, I can't even put it to words. And there are people, in this, a lot of people that would absolutely kill for that opportunity. And so I am very grateful. But in that moment, I was terrified. You know, not scared, just like... It was so, it was so, it's a lot of, it's a lot of pressure, 
you know, you're like back in the mind of that 12 year old girl. Yes, yes. I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to lead it back onto the whole Richard Branson link. In fact, Mike to Richard Branson, which is yeah. the natural, the natural uh, <laughs> punk rock You know, Richard story. Branson, no big deal. Uh, A- SNM Airlines. Yes, Converted exactly. to SNM. Oh my gosh. So I actually did work for Virgin Mobile Canada a long, long time ago. And the reason I was flown to London, England is because Richard Branson has these awards that are called the Virgin Stars of the Year. And I won the Virgin Star of the Year and it was best customer service out of all of his companies in the entire world, um, which is still to this day, I, I am like, I don't know. It's it's a lot. This is like so, so amazing. Um, so I was flown to London, England um, to go to this fancy dinner uh, to receive my award. And when I first got there, they said, would you like to take a picture with Richard? And I'm never going to do that accent again because I'm not good at it. But I was like, of course. So I walk over and we take a photo together and I have my pink mohawk and I'm wearing this pink cocktail dress. And, and he looks down at me because I'm short and he goes, I like your mohawk. And I'm like, if I have one moment with Richard Branson and he comments on my mohawk, fuck yeah, you know? So then I go sit down and I have this delicious dinner and then um, they bring around dessert and it's the most decadent, moist chocolate cake you've ever eaten. And so I'm eating the chocolate cake and I I tell this story in my talk. So it, usually when I when I do my talks and I go oh how do I eat chocolate cake you ask because I have to show you for the story so I pull down my dress strap but today it will be my bra strap like usually it's my bra strap and I put the fork or spoon like kind of under there and then I eat so I'm eating the chocolate cake and Richard comes over and he kicks out the CEO next to me because he wants to sit with me. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, another moment with Richard. But I don't stop eating the chocolate cake because I don't stop eating <laughs> chocolate cake for anyone. So, you know, I continue eating the cake like politely. You don't talk with my mouth full, but and then like mid-sentence, Richard's like, how are you doing that? I'm like, you know, I eat the cake in front of him. <laughs> And then he kind of like tugs on the other strap, like it's this magical strap. I'm like, uh, nope, it's just my dress. And then Richard Branson looks at me with his dreamy eyes and he goes, and I'm like, oh my God, Richard Branson wants me to feed him some of my chocolate cake. So I scoop up <laughs> and I feed it to Richard Branson with my dress strap. I have a photo of that. I'll send it to you sometime. It's so cool. So I decided to tell that story. That's kind of like, a long-winded answer um but and then from there we we got along so well that like he was like invited me to spend a week on his private island in the British Virgin Islands so I got to bring a friend and spend a week there and just like live literal luxury that I still to this day don't believe it happened because it feels like a dream when I think back but I have proof photos to prove it um so yeah, and believe it or not, Richard Branson actually wrote me, he wrote me a reference letter to get my visa to move here. He's- Wow. Yeah. I was just kind of like, hey, I don't know if you saw the video that he made for me. You you did, because it says I'm top 10. He compares me to Nelson Mandela and friggin' Desmond Tutu. I'm like, what is happening right now? Well, someone has to be. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, so- so we have a pretty uh, interesting 
incredible relationship. And, you know, he is a multi-billionaire with millions of companies, not really thousands. So I don't, we don't talk every day or anything, but if I email him, he emails me like within a day, he's like pretty great. That's amazing. I mean, we talked, we sort of joked at the beginning, Tally, and I hope. Oh, sorry. I, I have to, I have to interrupt you. There was a whole point of me telling you that whole story about the dinner and I totally missed <laughs> the point. It wasn't the chocolate cake. So when he sat with me, I was like, <clears throat> I get another opportunity with Richard. I have to like talk to him about the sex pistols because how many punks are going to sit down with Richard over chocolate cake. So I talked to him about the sex pistols and, and, you know, them performing on the boat and all that. And it was really cool. And that's why I meant, that's why I told you that story. It came back to punk rock in the end. There's, there's always a punk rock angle, isn't there? There's always a punk oh. rock angle. But I was, I mean, I was going to say that it's, um, you know, when I said before that may, maybe it's you, um, in terms of everyone being friendly, you know, it, it sounds like perhaps, you know, that is, and you've obviously, you know, you've, you've alluded to the fact that we're on a podcast here and you've obviously talked about your, you know, the fact that you were born without any arms uh, and everything. And, and, you know, that we haven't, we haven't explicitly said that in the podcast and obviously people, you know, can then look you up and see it, but you've, you've used, uh, you haven't let anything like that hold you back by all accounts. And in fact, if anything, you've, you've, you know, managed to use, the incredible personality and strength of that personality to to only push you further and then from becoming a sort of you know between being a punk rock ambassador uh and the start of your journey you know working customer care you've sort of now got this other career as a sort of inspirational speaker is that how you describe it i think yes uh which has led you to do ted talks and and all sorts um is that still is that still happening while you're a punk rock ambassador? Is that is that still a part of your your world? Yeah, as well? I'm putting I'm putting almost all of my energy into this museum right now to get it open and to be a part of you know this is my full time gig. But I have done one virtual speaking engagement since I've been here, and I just had a meeting for another one. So you know they're happening. Obviously, they have to be virtual unless they're in Las Vegas or someone wants to fly me uh somewhere which I do get flown places but since I've been in Vegas I haven't but a lot of them are coming from back in Canada um so because that's where I spoke a lot in Canada because I'm from Canada um so you know I got a letter the other day hey will you speak at our event and I was like I need to stop you is it virtual and they're like yes and I said okay let's continue because you know a school can't afford to fly me back to Canada um but I when I when I took this job and went over the you know the contract and all that I said this is really important for me to continue doing and they're like of course so um, and just just really quickly how, in your talks how much how much of it is about how much comes back to punk rock like how much do you tell if you're talking to schools or businesses how much is it about the a, values and everything you've learned from that it's obviously in there big time but with the kids kids don't understand punk rock they don't know any of the punk rock bands that i know um like uh, i used to talk about my no effects story because it's one of the best and i'll go anybody here know no effects and it's like crickets and maybe like three teachers you know um <laughs> so the 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 things i learned and you know the the diy mentality if you really truly want to achieve something you could do it that's in there like all of the things that i've learned are in there embracing yourself le letting your differences sparkle being yourself and not giving a fuck what other people think it's in there it's hugely in there but do i talk about punk rock explicitly 
when I speak with adults, it always comes up. Can you tell us about NoFX? You know, there's always a punk in that audience. I spoke to a group of uh, early childhood educators the other day of a whole school board. And this one guy kept asking me stuff about punk rock. And it was so cool because I was like, yeah, because like you don't know punk rock is pretty. It's not niche, but. I, I've learned from doing it. I've been spe a speaker since 2014. And, you know, the, the things that people uh, respond to and the th things that people relate to, those are the things I want to keep. So my my talk kind of evolves as, um, as the years go on. And the punk rock no effects story isn't always in there because it doesn't land. But all of those ethos are for sure in there. So I just want to ask you um, a question about you know, your love of punk rock. You mentioned obviously No Effects being one of your favorite bands, and would you say, would you say that the favorite band of all time? Yeah, I, there's a, there's another one that's up there. When I when I see them live, I'm like, okay, they're it's equal against me. Like against me live, oh man, that is some of my favorite shit. So I, I've told this before, but I saw them once in London on their first UK tour and it was the best live show I've ever seen and I've said I'm never going to see this band again because they, they were that good I didn't want to ruin no you have to the see memory. them again because they're still that good <laughs> oh really oh, okay I, I remember watching against me one day and just being like oh, like this this is the band this is the best band and then you know then I'm listening against uh punk no effects and I'm like it it's equal because they're different. It's so different, but against me live. And one of the literal best nights of my life were uh, was when I did a duet with Lord Jane Grace in Toronto. <laughs> I sang uh, um, Born on the Ephraim, Ways of the Heart, the Tegan part. It was the best. It was... Wow. It was a dream come true. It was so cool. And it's funny because I always wanted to sing that duet. And I was one day out of the blue, I was like, why not just ask? Worst case, they say no. And I wrote Laura. I was like, hey, Laura, want to sing the song with me when you're in Toronto on Saturday? And she's like, yeah, fuck yeah. And I was like, ah, you know, so like all I have to do is ask. And if she says no, then that's OK. I just go to the show and have the best time. But she said, yes, love against me. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. Um, as we said at the beginning, I think Tally's sort of optimism, joy, positivity sort of shines through. Um, she was an absolute pleasure to speak to. Fantastic stories, uh, great sort of attitude. Um, and I know that if I get the chance to get out to Vegas, uh, which, to be fair, is not looking particularly likely. But if I ever find myself there, I'm heading straight over to to the museum. Um, and I want Tally now. I want Tally to give me the tour, mate. Fuck Robert well, Smith. I'm going Tally. <laughs> well, you know what, John? Um, well, it may have been cut from the, the final production, but Tally did mention about having a part two to the discussion after the podcast, uh, after the museum's open. So that's always a possibility. Anything, anything's a possibility, Dave. Yes. Well, as far as this podcast goes, it's all, it's all possible. Um, well, listen, thank you. Uh, we have, this is our first one back. We just about remembered how to do this sort of stuff, but there are other episodes available. So go online, check out the Punk Rock Academy podcast, have a look at some of the other people we speak to, uh, check out the Punk Rock Museum. 
go check it out when it's opening. Go look online at some of the stuff that they've got planned and prepared. Thank you. Thanks, Hallie. Dave, thank you too. Seriously, you did a good job today. Thank you, John. I feel, I feel proud that we're, we're back together. We've got, you know, got the band back together. We're like, thank you. I'm Nebs from the Punk Rock Museum, and you're listening to the Punk Rock Academy podcast.